This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest edition of Total Saints Podcast. We're very grateful to have you with us, so thanks for listening. Fingers crossed you and your family, wherever you are in the world, are keeping safe and well. Hopefully you've listened to the podcast before and indeed last week's, which had Greg Baker, the head of the Saints Foundation, talking about some of the brilliant work that him and his team are doing uh, with the foundation despite the coronavirus pandemic. And we were also lucky enough to have Danny Ings on there as well. So if you've not had a chance yet to listen to last week's podcast, TSP117, then please do. Speaking of Saints, it's been a brilliant week off the pitch. Of course, Ralph Hasenhutl has signed a brand new four-year contract. Shane Long has also signed up for another couple of years. If all goes to plan, with football just around the corner now in returning, you'll be able to hear from myself, Glenda LaCour, Joe Prince-Wright and Dan Sheldon next weekend in the preview of the Premier League restarting, talking about Saints, talking about Hasenhutl and talking about our general views on what the next few weeks will bring both for the Premier League and for Saints in terms of their last nine games. Just ahead of our latest Total Recall on this episode, we wanted to give a quick shout out to Dan and the team at the Saints View, at the Saints View on Twitter. Congratulations to them because they've been confirmed as a finalist in the Football Content Awards. If you've not had a chance yet to vote for them, then please do. You can just go over to footballcontentawards.com forward slash 2020 hyphen voting. If you look under the Best New Content Creator category, you'll be able to find the Saints View. Give them a vote. And like Likewise, if you don't yet watch them or uh, follow any of their content, then please do. It's really good. Uh, I know Dan and the team put a lot of effort in as well. Good luck to them. And as I say, go and give them a vote. Footballcontentawards.com forward slash 2020 hyphen voting. And it's the best new content creator. In the meantime, please sit back and relax and enjoy our latest Total Recall in partnership with Saints World and Saints Archive and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. This is TSP 118. 
I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Debbie Stokes, hit well, oh he's there, Stokes has put Southampton in the lead, a great break there for Southampton, and they're all off that Southampton bench. Hitting out to this near flank, what a back cross, Bayern, 2-0, and we're now completing the great escape, thanks to a man called Marion. Just a minute to play, here's Letizia. Yes, it's time for our latest Total Recall, which always sees us relive a variety of yesteryear Saints moments and memories. We've been fortunate enough to have a number of ex-players on TSP this season, and we've another former Saint with us now. As a 16-year-old, he joined Arsenal's Youth Academy before going on to make a handful of senior appearances for the Gunners. Then in March 1994, Saints manager Alan Ball made his move, and life at Highbury was quickly swapped for life at the Dell. Over 60 appearances and five goals later, he'd be well known for plenty of wing wizardry in front of the old East and West stands. Alongside that, he was actually one of my favourite players from our team in the mid-90s, which makes the opportunity to have this conversation even more exciting. It is, of course, Neil Heaney. Neil, lovely to talk with you. Thanks for joining us on Total Saints Podcast. Good evening, Ben. My pleasure. Let's go back to those um, Arsenal youth days briefly, Neil, before we get into talking about Saints. Uh, a bit like Neil Madison, who we had on TSP 111, you're, of course, originally from the Middlesbrough area. So how did you end up so far south and as part of the Arsenal setup? Um, well, I think as a lot of young lads at that time, I was playing for school and regional and district teams up in Middlesbrough and the Teesside area. Uh, and back then, I think um, a lot of the first division clubs, as it was then, uh, they had local scouts in the area. Yeah. And um, I was initially um, invited down uh, to Arsenal when I was uh, 13. Right. Um, so I went down there with a, a couple of other guys. We went on the train from Darlington and we spent uh, a week there at half term. Um, looked after fantastically with them. And fortunately, that first trial went OK for me and I was invited back for a second and a third and it went from there really, but it all stemmed from playing local football in the uh, in the Teesside leagues and, and coming through the school teams. Yeah. We mentioned in the intro that you obviously made a handful of appearances in the Arsenal senior side. Your senior debut for George Graham's team came as a 20-year-old on the 18th of April 1992, away to Sheffield United in what was the old first division. Everyone would know it as the Premier League now. The game finishing one all nil. Um, that Arsenal side included the likes of David Seaman, Tony Adams, Paul Merson, Alan Smith, people like that. So what did it feel like to you to make your Arsenal first team debut and obviously to be surrounded by that sort of calibre of player? Well, it was very, very difficult at that time to get into the Arsenal team. It was such a settled side. Mm. Uh, George Graham uh, was an incredible manager who had them drilled. Um, and there was a real tight-knit team there at Arsenal at the time. So mm. it was very difficult to get in, especially on the wings. They had Paul Merson, the late David Rawcastle. Yeah. Um, they had Anders Limpar. Um, so it was very difficult to get in, but just to be around them, for the short period that I was mm. uh, around them was just an amazing experience and 
as I said, there was others. There was Ian Wright. There was Michael Thomas. So it was just a real, real fantastic side. Um, and as I said, I was very fortunate to make, I think it was eight appearances in the end. Mm. But um, as I say, I think those eight appearances came over quite a number of years. And as I say, it was very difficult to establish yourself with all of those great players. And that obviously ultimately led to Alan Ball coming in for me. Yeah. You mentioned there George Graham, Neil. Um, you know, for lots of us uh, old enough to remember him, a manager that obviously had a, a real reputation in the game. So how did you get on with him uh, personally? Um, I think George was quite distant with the players. As I say, I was only on the, the fringes, mm. so I was by no means a regular and, and training with them every day. But the times that I was training with him, he commanded incredible respect from the players. Um, I say he was um, he was quite distant. He ruled almost with a bit of an iron fist. Mm. Um, but um, he certainly um, created that winning mentality at, uh, at Arsenal and as I say, I think that was the platform really that um, that launched. I mean, obviously the the famous back five that remained at Arsenal for probably best part of a decade, if not longer. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was a fantastic coach and a fantastic guy to be around for the short period of time I was. You mentioned the word fringes there. Of course, as you say, you would remain on the, the fringes of Arsenal first team over the next couple of years before, as I've read somewhere, Neil, I think it said suddenly being sold, I think was the quote, with Saints uh, managed then by Alan Ball having had a, a bid accepted by Arsenal. So what do you remember of those sort of few days and moving to Saints? And, you know, were you as surprised as maybe other people were that Arsenal had decided to sell you? I was, actually. And there was no sort of intro into it. I remember it was after training at Arsenal one morning that um, I was called up to George Graham's office in the afternoon and I was obviously curious as to why I was being called up. He was very, very good uh, in terms of explaining that um, I could stay at Arsenal but my opportunities would be limited Mm. Um, and he felt the best thing for me to do was to go and play regular Mm. uh, football or to try and play regular first-team football. Um, So as I say, he he was fantastic in that respect and Obviously, as soon as I met Alan and Laurie McMenemy, um, the decision was relatively easy for me, as, as I already knew Laurie from England under 21 setup, and uh, I had a good relationship with him because obviously he's a northeast mm. um, a, a guy as well. So it was quite an easy move for me in, in the end. And what about Saints as a club, Neil? What were your sort of first impressions? You mentioned Alan there. Obviously, uh, we all remember him being a fantastically bubbly character. But, you know, the Southampton setup as well. Of course, Staplewood wasn't the uh, the training infrastructure that it is maybe these days. So coming from somewhere like Highbury to the Dow, what was your sort of immediate thoughts on arrival? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, coming from Arsenal to Southampton was different in many respects. But it was almost immediate, the warmth from the club. Um, it was a very different type of atmosphere. It was it was much more family orientated. Mm. Um, the lads were all around about my age. The ones who were just breaking into the first team, you know, Jeff Kenner, Jason Dodd, uh, Nicky Banger, Neil Madison, Richard Hall. Yeah. Um, probably leaving a few out there, but um, uh, it was immediate the warmth I felt, and I, I just felt really at home, and and that never really left me to be honest. And obviously we mentioned Neil Madison earlier and you mentioned Laurie just there, but was there anyone else at the club that you sort of knew when you signed or was it literally coming in as a bit of a new boy and obviously trying to use some of their knowledge to get to know the local area and things like that as well? Yeah, I think the only person I knew was uh, Richard Hall from the England Under-21 setup. Yeah. 
Um, and I ended up when I first moved to Southampton. Obviously, they they put new players in there. I think the Hilton we used to yeah, uh, right. go in. Um, yeah. But um, Richard uh, very kindly asked, offered me to go and stay with him. Um, so we formed quite a, a close bond between mm-hmm. us, me and uh, Richard. And as I say, at that time, all of the lads, we had a real camaraderie in the team, even with the, um, with the slightly older players, shall we say. Um, but it was just a fantastic mix. Yeah. And look, we know football is often a, a funny game, so it probably seems no coincidence that, according to my research, Neil, exactly like Arsenal a few years before, you'd make your debut for Saints away to Sheffield United in a drawn game. Um, that said, you'd only feature in that match and one other, a 3-0 loss at Spurs during that the sort of latter part of that first 93-94 season as Saints just stayed in the Premier League by a single point. So I'm not sure if it was injury-related, I can't remember, or, or whether there just wasn't uh, sort of the opportunities, Neil, but was it frustrating not to get too much first-team action initially? Do you know what, but I can't actually recall the reasons why. Um, I, I'm assuming it may have been injury, or it may have yeah. been that you know, there was a settled side there um, and it was tough times and, you know, obviously I limited experience of that type of atmosphere. So yeah. I think probably Alan and Laurie maybe decided that experience was something that they needed in that particular dogfight. So mm. for me, it was still just a learning experience of being in and around the first team every week. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, obviously, you've gone from playing with some brilliant talents at Arsenal to maybe a more sort of select group of real sort of top-class talent down at Southampton, the likes of Tears and sort of Ronnie Eklund was there, I think, that first season that you came along and players like that as well. So, again, different players for you to sort of get used to playing with, but sort of talented in their own way. Well, absolutely. You don't get to play at that level uh, and in the Premier League and, and, and not have a lot about you. Obviously, there, there was Tears. I think and most of the guys would acknowledge, I'm sure, we were a very workman-like side, mm. um, and we all did our jobs, and then obviously we just had the diamond, which was Latiz. Um, I remember at the time, obviously, as well, Alan brought in Ronnie Eckland, who was uh, from Barcelona at the time, and Ronnie, in his own right, um, was a fantastic addition. I think Tiz is on record as saying he was probably one of the best 10 players he ever played with, yes. which... Yep. Considering who Tiz has played with, um, that's quite an accolade. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, we were we all had our jobs and, and we knew them inside out. And then, as I say, we had the magician that was Tiz. Mm. And look, quite a few ex-players have said how good Alan Ball was as a manager, Neil, particularly his man management skills. Um, how did you get on with him, and you know, how did he help develop your game? Yeah, I mean, I loved him. Obviously, I had a, an affection for him because he brought me into the club. Mm. There's always that loyalty towards him. But Alan was fantastic for me, and I think he was very good for quite a number of players. Um, he'd obviously been there, done it. He was never shy, to be honest, about telling us that he'd been there and done it. <laughs> um, but I think that was just part of his charm. Everybody loved him. Yeah. And his man management was second to none. Um, and uh, as I say, it was um, it was just a great time. and for Alan to be there and, and people forget about Laurie as well Laurie had quite a lot of involvement um, with the team etc so he was quite an important figure as well and look as we moved into the 94-95 season you'd have much more opportunity playing 34 times that season in the Premier League scoring twice your first goal for Saints came in that remarkable 3-1 win against Newcastle that we had where with us 1-0 down on 85 minutes Neil we'd score three goals in those last four minutes um, you got the equaliser that day as uh, Neil Shipley's cross was met by Gordon Watson and after Pavel Cernicek had made initial save you sort of poked home from close range 
I remember being at that game actually. I think it was a truly remarkable and enjoyable turnaround. One of the probably the most memorable Dow games there has been in a long time. But for you personally, it must have been nice to you know get off the mark with Saints. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to get your first goal because that sort of settles you in and then you feel part of it. It was quite a bizarre night because as everyone remembers the result, but really, um, I think we were under the cosh for quite a bit in that particular game. Mm. Um, and then those last five minutes were quite spectacular. And as I say, that, that provided a little bit of a springboard and um, as I said, for me, it was uh, it was great to get off the mark. Yeah, and look, as I understand it, then the the next goal you scored for Saints had a bit of a story around it, which Neil Madison sort of loosely touched on in Total Recall a few weeks ago. So, just to give some of the listeners a bit of the background of the story before we uh, get you to talk about it, then Neil, um, on the first of March 1995, Saints played Tottenham at the Dow on an FA Cup fifth round replay, having drawn one all at White Hart Lane a couple of weeks prior to that. Neil played in the replay, and with us sort of cruising two 0 at half time, I think many of us felt that we were probably on the course for the next round. Um, then Ronnie Rosenthal decided to change the game. He scored twice in two minutes to bring the game level. It eventually went to extra time and somehow we ended up losing 6-2 in the end. Um, at the end of the game, Spurs fullback Dean Austin was heard saying, how many, how many to the Sky Sports camera. Here's the clip of that moment. Had pity for Southampton, but the glory belongs to Ronnie Rosenthal, who's gone to claim the match ball immediately. And why not? It is his property. After a sensational introduction... And a hat-trick. Jerry Francis may have admitted to making a serious tactical error, but he put it right after a quite incredible cup tie finishes. Southampton 2, Tottenham Hotspur 6. So Neil had told us that the uh, Neil Madison had told us that the Saints lads had heard that comment afterwards and it hadn't gone down well with those at the Dow, Neil. Um, so much so that when Spurs arrived back at the Dow a month or so later, the 2nd of April 1995 for the Premier League encounter, you lads were really fired up for it. It was, of course, a, a brilliant game of football which saw us win 4-3. You scored the first goal again that day, Neil, from close range. Matty then got a brace and Jim McGilton also got on the score sheet. However, before that, and this is what Neil was telling us a few weeks ago, and it'd be great to get your uh, version of this, with the team ready to sort of show Spurs just how up for it they were, you set the tone with a, a sort of thunderous early tackle on Dean Austin in the game. What do you kind of remember of the chat in the change room before that game, of the tackle itself, and you know how much did that result mean to you guys at the end of it? Well, I think I remember from that day that it was an incredibly hot day mm. um, at the Dell. So I think um, tempers were probably high anyway. <laughs> um, but um, I think Dean had made that comment at the end. I mean, obviously for them, looking at it from the other side, as a as a Tottenham player, it was an incredible turnaround for yeah, them. And I think they went on to, to, I think they played Liverpool in the next round uh, at Anfield. So for them, it was great. And I think he probably got caught up in the in the moment a little bit. Um, I think he probably regretted it. Um, mm. So I think Bali reminded us uh, of the incident uh, mm. before we went out. So I'm not entirely sure it was a tackle. I wasn't renowned for robust tackles. Um, <laughs> I think it was an, an aerial challenge where I might have just accidentally caught him with an elbow. Um, <laughs> I can't believe but, that. Um, <laughs> well, accidentally, of course. Um, <laughs> of course. But, um, yeah, obviously there was a, a great sense of revenge over them, shall we say. Mm. But, um, but that was quite a decent Tottenham side at that time yeah, as well. Absolutely. And uh, look, I mean, in the end, then, Saints would finish in a really good 10th position. Allen, of course, moved on to Manchester City and was replaced by Dave Merrington for the 95-96 season. Um, just before we talk about Dave Neal, 
one thing that sort of got me thinking actually when I knew we were going to do this interview was trying to sort of picture it from your view as a, a winger in a tight ground like the Dell. Um, you know, how hard was it for you to ply your trade on a surface that was obviously renowned for being so narrow? You know, was it tough or did you just have to try and adapt your game? Uh, well, I think we were fortunate in that we always tended to play um, 442 or 4411. So we set up that way mm. um, to use the wide players and. You know, if I, if I was to make a run wherever I was on the field, it was um, it was relatively easy. When Tiz was on the ball, he could generally find anyone. So um, I think it worked well that particular season, uh, the ninety four ninety five season. I thoroughly enjoyed my time, and there were some great great games at the Dell. Loved playing there. The 95-96 season saw you play 17 times in the Premier League, scoring a couple of goals against Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough and Coventry at Highfield Road. Um, I guess having had such a really good 94-95 season, you know, having a real impact on the team now, I think we all felt that. Was it kind of annoying then, again, you know, have to miss quite a few games the following year? Yeah, it was disappointing, obviously. I think Alan leaving um, was not particularly great um, for me personally because... You know, Alan showed a lot of faith in me and, and played me for quite a substantial amount of time. Mm. So, obviously, when a new manager comes in, there's certain changes. And um, and I think I was just one of those casualties of that, really, to, mm. to an extent. Um, but still, you know, I still was in and around, still playing fairly regularly. Obviously, not as regularly as the season before, but um, I suppose that's just football managers come and go. And I guess with Dave, of course, Dave Merrington, as he said to us a few weeks ago, quite a few of those lads he'd obviously worked with in the youth team and he kind of knew their game. And I guess that, I wouldn't say there was necessarily loyalty there, but it kind of meant that he, he knew what they could deliver to the team and that was going to make it more challenging for maybe some players like you that had uh, sort of only been at the club maybe a shorter period of time. Yeah, obviously Dave came in and Dave was very different uh, to Alan. Dave was much more methodical. He was much more teamwork-based. Um so obviously David uh, had his own views on how the team should set up. Mm. Um, but as I say, nonetheless, it was still great to work for Dave because um, he was a great manager in his own right as well. Mm. I'm very unlucky to lose his job at the end of that season. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think, um, you know, he obviously, yeah, as you say, mentioned a couple of weeks ago in TSP 119, you know, what an incredible effort it was by the team to sort of stay up in that 95-96 season, not least due to obviously having a very little budget to work with. Um, you know, it was kind of just before the takeover with Rupert Lowe and Graham Sooners coming in and things like that. Um, we, of course, eventually stayed up just on goal difference um, that season. When you sort of, you know, were in and around the change room, Neil, did the atmosphere and belief sort of give that impression that the team were always confident of staying up or was it kind of a, a sort of draining and nervous affair for most of it from a player point of view? I think I remember the last five or six games, it was very, very nervy. Mm. And uh, it, it was obvious that it was going to go to the wire. I think eventually, I would. I don't know whether I'm correct in saying, I think we stayed up on goal difference. Yeah, you did. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Um, and um, I think there was a couple of games towards uh, the end of the season where we got some wins. And I think that really, um, and obviously we had Tiz in the team where you're always confident that he can pull a rabbit out of a hat at any point. So we always had that inner belief. But of course, sometimes that's not enough. But fortunately for us that season, it um, it went our way. Yeah. 
And just finally then, Neil, your sort of last Saints goal came in the following season when David Bean replaced by Graham Sooners, as we mentioned. It was a away to West Ham United in a, a 2-1 defeat. Um, I won't talk about your last ever Premier League game for Saints because unless I'm mistaken in my research, Neil, it was a pretty bad day at the office uh, up at Goodison Park in November 1996. Um, but look, you'd eventually move on to Manchester City in uh, November of that year, just after that game uh, up at Goodison under Frank Clark, going on to play around sort of 20 or so times for them. So did it feel disappointing to leave Saints or did it feel like the move to City just about came at the right time for you? No, I mean, I will always regret leaving Southampton. Um, obviously, when uh, Graham came in, he was a completely different character. Mm. Um, very sort of quiet, but very steely. Yeah, I think I probably moved at the wrong time. Mm. I, I probably, on reflection, could have maybe hung around and fought for the place back effectively. Um, so I, I always regret moving uh, away from Southampton for a number of reasons and mm. obviously that proved to be the case that with a pretty disastrous spell at uh, Manchester City. Yeah, and uh, I mean obviously as you, as you mentioned there, City leaned you out a couple of times. Um, one game that I felt I had to ask you about because I think for every neutral nil that uh, still remembers it, I mean it's one of the, the greatest playoff games in history really. I'm sure whenever you talk about football people often ask you about it, but of course you were moved on to join Charlton Athletic on loan and then in 1998 you played a part in that incredible 4-0 game against Sunderland which probably must have been nice for you as a a Middlesbrough lad that uh, obviously the Addicts went on to win that game 7-6 on penalties but just that whole game as I say as a neutral for you playing at Wembley I mean it must have been a a brilliant sort of memory to have in the the back of the brain. Well it was and quite rightly I think it's remembered as uh, as a great game um, at Wembley but uh, I remember that whole loan spell actually I think it was John Robinson who'd been fantastic for Charlton on one wing and they had um, Sean Newton on the other side. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately for John, he got injured. And I think I played maybe the last seven, eight, nine games of that leading up and then the semi-final. And obviously the final was um, was a proper roller coaster of a, of a <laughs> game. And again, fortunately, um, I was on the side that came out winners on the day. But... Um, amazing experience and great memories of that game. Yeah, I guess the one positive as well must have been, I know it's never nice to get subbed, but at least with the penalties getting up to like 6-5, 7-6, etc., must have been nice to know you didn't have to take one. Well, it was nice to have taken the shin pads off and just have the boot weight <laughs> on the side, but uh, yeah, there was a few jangling nerves with them penalties as it went to 5 and 6. And <laughs> I can imagine. Um, no, absolutely. And then, look, I mean, obviously you'd eventually retire in 2002, having finished down in the southwest with Plymouth Argyle. Um, you know, yeah. obviously there's been ups and downs, Neil. I think with every footballer, you know, that we've had the pleasure of talking with, there are those sort of moments. But as you sort of sit back and think about your football career these days and reflect on it, I, mean, I imagine obviously it's nice to become a professional footballer, but do you have any regrets or do you kind of feel that, that everything went the way it did and you know, you're pleased with the moments that you did get to cherish? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always regrets with anything. I, I have very few. I say the only real one was that I didn't really hang around and, and try and fight for my place at Southampton. Mm. But over and above that, I absolutely loved my time as a footballer. I wouldn't change anything. I think the game is very different now. Obviously, the rewards are, are incredible now. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Back then, you know, our dressing room was pretty much all uh, British lads with the odd uh, one or two. So, you know, we all socialised together. Uh, the wives all went out together. We were a real tight-knit squad then, and I'm not sure that that exists, certainly in the Premier League yeah. uh, at the moment. But, um, no, I have very few regrets. I have to say I, um, I just loved being a, uh, being a player at that time. And particularly at Southampton, it was a fantastic time to be there. 
Well, Neil, look, it's been a, a real pleasure speaking with you. Very grateful for you giving up some of your time to do that. So thanks for that, and obviously for your thoughts as well. And, you know, as I said at the start, I mean, thanks for all the enjoyable moments you did bring us on both wings at the Dow, and uh, obviously, you know, all the best for the future. Thanks, Ben. And that's been Total Recall with Neil Heaney. A really big thanks to Neil again for his time and having a chat to us. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Reassuring, I think, for all of us to know that that 6-2 defeat to Spurs was sweetly revenged in a couple of ways. Not only the win, but uh, Neil uh, making sure that Dean Austin remembered it. As I mentioned at the start, we'll be back again next week when we'll have Joe Prince-Wright, Dan Sheldon from The Echo, Glenda LaCour and myself having a chat about the preview of the new Premier League season and what that will mean for Saints. We'll also be reflecting, as I mentioned, on Ralph Hasenhutl's new contract. Don't forget you can get in touch at any time to provide any comments around that or send any feedback around the pod in general. You can always get hold of us at Total Saints Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and uh, send us a direct message or comment. Again, just look up Total Saints Podcast. And if not, we can uh, be sent an old school email to Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. That's Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. Otherwise, as I say, hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. We look forward to catching up with you again next time out. Until then, as ever, keep safe, keep well, and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.